Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast that runs experiments, explores new ways of thinking, and talks to world travelers, people who I've met around in my world travels. And um, yeah, they're just world travelers. Today, I'm honored to have Abby Gertz, one of my most adventurous friends from my study abroad program in Beijing, China in 2017. She is currently a UT student studying public relations at the Moody College of Communication at UT Austin. She has studied in Beijing, China, Havana, Cuba, and Buenos Aires, Argentina. And she is a, she's a world traveler. She, she's, you can tell she's traveled. Abby, welcome to the show. Hi, Caesar. Thanks so much for having me. Was any of that, was all that accurate? Because I, I have already graduated. That's you already graduated. Okay. Okay. You see, it's been a long time since we talked. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I also, that's a big thing that's happened. I forgot to tell you. Oh, you graduated. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you're still around Austin, which I believe to be one of the best cities right now. It's just so much fun. We were talking about a crazy event that I went to with fire and stuff. Um, but I'm excited to, Talk about you and your journey abroad and how it's impacted your life. And, and I, I know it's been a few years since we really got in deep in, in conversation. So I wanted to ask, why don't you start by getting to know Abby when she was younger. When you were 13 years old, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Whenever I was 13, I, I probably had my eyes set at that time on being a teacher. Mm. I, my, both of my parents, um, they practiced law and I knew that that was something that I was not really interested in because they're both very, um, they're both very like quite serious and, uh, kind of like your stereotypical like lawyer in a way. And I'm like, okay, that's not me at all. But my teachers, they, um, they were like, so outgoing and they had like fun parties for us all of the time. And I was a super, super shy kid, which I have definitely outgrown, thankfully. And so my teachers were definitely some of the people who, who just made me and all of the other really shy, like, you know, awkward 13 year old Uh really feel included. And they were just so nice to me. And that's always something that I've really liked in a person. Whenever someone can make other people around them feel really comfortable. And so whenever I was 13, it was also my first year of public school. So I was at peak, like needing to feel included. It was my first year of public school. (laughs) I had just moved. Um, My house had actually just burned down. So I was like, I was really, um, I was really shook up. And my teachers, my teachers were really good at kind of like putting all these broken pieces of an awkward 13 year old back together. But you, you said you were shy. Did it not scare you that a teacher was going to be talking in front of like students all the time? What was it about a teacher that really attracted you being a teacher? I think that, you know how so often we are so attracted, whether it be like, um, like physically or just like to a friend, right. Mm -hmm. To people who are so different than us. And I think that, being shy was something I was really insecure about and seeing these like teachers who were, you know, in their like thirties or forties, like speaking to a crowd of people was something that I did not see myself doing. And like, that was something that I wanted to be able to do. So it was kind of like that opposites attract thing, I think. Mm. And I think having that kind of goal and that admiration is something that really helps me get out of my own shell whenever I was older. Wow. When did you start getting out of your own shell? Like, when did you stop uh, being so shy? Because I ask because I was a shy kid. I don't know if you can believe this, but I I used to get 
really really red and i'd start to sweat in front of like a crowd of people and it was terrible there was times when i would cry that was like my escape in front of presentations and in, in class presentations and um and so i'm interested to hear like your journey of how you got out of that how did you get over that shyness Wow. Okay. I can relate so much to that. Up until I would say I started getting out of my shell. I I moved schools a couple of times and maybe after two years at like my final school that I was at is whenever I started, um, I was a part of this program called DECA. I don't know if if you've heard heard of it. it. What what was it about? It's a business organization. So, um, you have to present in front of judges and, our like coach or teacher guy was super adamant about us presenting in front of all these people that like were really intimidating to like 16, 17 year old me. Uh, And I think that's kind of whenever that started happening and I just became a lot more confident as a person, but my faith, okay. I'm still like a very red person. Like you can kind of, my cheeks are just like, (laughs) always like I never wear blush or anything because then I would look so sunburned, but um, wow. My face would get like, a tomato and then you know you yes that's what they would you. say to me they're like they would tell me you look like a tomato I was yes, like, <laughs> and it would make it so much worse yes it so much worse um so yeah that happened until i was probably like 16 or 17 because i got like a really established friend group at that point that i'm mm. still like i talk to them every single day still um and yeah life just got a lot smoother whenever i um whenever i learned how to not be so shy there's nothing wrong with being shy but I was raised by two people who are not shy. And so mm-hmm. I just felt really uh, more comfortable in my own skin whenever whenever that happened for me. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, I started, I accidentally fell into like a leadership role in high school and I had to go give a lot of presentations to middle school kids, <laughs> which was less intimidating than talking to like my peers. And that was like what helped me um, realize that oh, I can do this. Like I had always been outgoing with my friends. It was just in front of people, I would break down. Um, so it's, it, I think, it, yeah, that, the practice really helped. Um, at the end of, of high school, well, before I, before I get there, um, yeah, I'll, I'll ask it because I was looking at my other questions that I was going to ask you, but you kind of answered them. At the end of high school, were there any lessons that you learned that you were that you were the biggest lessons that you took that you were going to carry with you in college. Like for example, for me, I spent a lot of time studying and uh, I really wanted to be top 10. And I, uh, in college, I mean, after high school, I realized like it did help me get into a good college, but I didn't think it was worth not going to like hang out with my friends and not really having a social life. So I really made it a point in college. Like I'm going to have more fun because I just spent four years just studying my ass off and it was cool, but a lot of my friends did the same thing, accomplished the same thing while still having fun. Were there any like lessons that you took um, from high school going into college? Yeah, definitely. Um, I relate on the studying one. My uh, my best friend in high school, she lived with me for a while um, and she was valedictorian of our class. And mm-hmm. so she was the studier. She's the one who had the good time management skills. Um, I was not, but I just like piggyback ride, like her time management and studied with her. So I think that, um, I too was really ready to like let a little bit, um, I did let loose in high school, but, um, to like (laughs) spend more time with friends and doing things that I find to really only be able to happen in college. Um, my dad, 
is uh, a huge uh, believer in no regrets. Like, and that yeah. had really stayed with me uh, throughout high school and then transferred into college. And I think that I, um, I'm kind of, I don't know how to say it. Like with the whole shyness thing, like I was always like kind of addicted to getting more and more uh, toward my goal of like being able to speak in front of people mm. and uh, knowing how to navigate like a group and like a party that I don't know anybody at. And I would say like that kind of uh, slow conquering of, of goals like that and like learning the value in them is something that I definitely brought with me to college. I was just like so scared of everything whenever mm. I was little, like um, I was really scared of dogs whenever I was like, until I was like eight years old, like so really? scared. Yeah. And then, um, also roller coasters, terrified of them. Um, so for, for my freshman and college self, I went skydiving right before I studied abroad in Beijing, China. Wow. And if I had told myself that like in high school or middle school, I would never believe myself. So I think that kind of addiction to progress is definitely something that, um, I learned in high school overcoming such like a social anxiety thing yeah, and then um, bringing that kind of like addiction to progress with me in college was something heavy. How did you, uh, how did that, how, how did you go skydiving? Like, how did you get over that fear? Cause you were afraid of dogs and then all of a sudden you go, you're going skydiving. Was it incremental? Like you just kept facing. <laughs> I'm sure. It, I'm sure it was. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, um, I don't know. It was totally incremental though. I mean, that was over the span of like probably like, at least 10 years. Right. So, um, I'd done a lot of things that, that had scared me, but I'd also lived like super, super comfortably too. So mm. I'm sure it was incremental. Um, I would always like, I, I, there was this carnival. So I went to school, high school and like the smallest town ever. I think my graduating class was like 120 kids. Wow. And every year whenever the carnival would come into town, we would have days off of school. Like we would have like Wednesday through Friday off of school. Whenever <laughs> what? The carnival That's awesome. Town. Isn't it? It's like so yeah. cute looking back at it. Um, Smithville, Texas, baby. But um, there was this ride called the zipper. Have you heard of it? The zipper? No. It's what awful. Is, it's awful. <laughs> what does it, it look like? It is so bad. And I have been so afraid. Like I never wrote it for, for years. Like, I mean, I never wrote it, but I was like, I'm not leaving this fucking carnival without writing the zipper. Um, so I wrote, I wrote it. They had to stop it, uh, like halfway before (laughs) the ride was supposed to end. I was freaking out so much, but I was like, you know what? Whatever. Like I wrote it. I got on it. I'm off of it now. I'm alive. I have to redo my makeup because my mascara is smeared everywhere. But basically it's like you're in, it's all of my fears in one thing, shitty carnival rides for one. And then like, you're in this small little like pod. Uh Uh, So claustrophobia too. Oh shit. And then it like spins upside down and then backwards like unexpectedly it's hell it is living hell oh I my god it. yeah it sounds terrible but, and you get nauseous it looks like you you would get nauseous that that's what i would hate wow um this thing about your dad saying living with no regrets um what can you tell me more about that like what did, what would he say would he just say that like you should live with no regrets or how he how would he like show that um he let's see we went to a couple of places like okay here's a good one my I was in track whenever I was in middle school I did track Mm -hmm. meets and he kind of incorporated it with uh the past is not important or like what was it it was like what's behind you is not important which 
Mm. It doesn't, I think what's behind us is very important, but like in a way, whenever we're like running a race, like a track, right? Like what's behind us isn't important. Like don't look back, that kind of thing. Um, So I think he kind of incorporated it with that, like progress. um, If you've like, you can, it's like living in the present moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. But like, I guess like with no regrets, it's, I think it just was heavily like living in the present moment. Like if you have the opportunity to do it now and you don't do it, you're going to regret it. So you should just live with no regrets and like do what is in front of you at this moment. Which yeah. This, has this, a lot of things that fucking carnival ride. And then also just like small things too. Wow. Cause, cause that's kind of what's helped me take these leaps of like, when there's been decisions of like, should I, uh, in South Africa, when when I had to choose, do I go bungee jumping by myself and risk like, like risk getting a grade letter grade deduction? And I was such a good student freshman year, or do I miss out and go for the good grades, but miss out on a, a lifetime opportunity? It was in college that I started thinking more like, dude, like just go for what you're not, you're going to regret not going. And then I later got into like stoic philosophy, which talks a lot about living in the moment about how life can be long if you know how to use it if you know how to you know just just take the opportunities that come to you so i find it so fascinating when was the first time when was your first study abroad and was that a moment for like why did you choose to study abroad the first time oh my god my first study abroad was um beijing china with you yeah um, summer of 2017 and that was that was like one of the most tumultuous times in my life like just in general um mm. uh, i let's see i was a freshman in college um it was like around thanksgiving that we found out that we gotten accepted yeah i have no idea how in hell i was accepted into that thing like i mean i don't know like i tried really hard but still, like, I don't know how on earth I was accepted into Why do that. you say that, though? Why, why? I don't know. Just, like, um, I just remember I was going to all the info sessions with Devin Walker, now Dr. Devin Walker. Yeah. And um, and I, w- I had him as a TA because I was in Gateway Scholars, which mm-hmm. changed my entire college experience. Um. So shout out to Gateway Scholars. What, how did it like, change your college experience? Because it, I was in Gateway Scholars and it changed my experience because I met Dr. Moore, which okay, led to all my that's study That's exactly abroad. how it changed my college experience too, because they placed me in Race in the Age of Obama. Yes. Uh, and that was my, it wasn't my first class, but it was maybe like my second class, college class I'd ever been to. And um, I just, I, this is, this is so embarrassing, but one time, I think this was junior year of college, I um, went, to, I skipped class. I went to some event that Dr. Moore was speaking at. Like it was really mm-hmm. small. It was mainly like for people to get extra credit for like one of his classes, but I was like, oh my God, I want to go. Um, and so I went to it and I was listening to him talk. And um, afterwards I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? I have never told this man like how much he has changed my college experience. Like we don't know each other very well, like yeah, at all. Yeah. He probably, he might recognize me, but he also just might pretend that he recognizes me from the study abroad. Um, mm-hmm. But I go up to him afterward and Caesar, I just like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I just start crying. Like, I just like actually like kind of a little bit uncontrollably cry, like telling him wow. like, thank you. Like you're like, um, you have impacted my college experience so much. It was so embarrassing and like 
not the right place, not the right time, but I don't think I slept very well the night before because, so that's probably also what like led to Because the you were going to go, you knew you were going to go in, oh, and tell him or was it because? Oh, because no, of- just because like I stayed up too late doing something. Oh. Um, so I was running on low sleep, which I will add, but um, he was like, thank, thank you. And then he was like, are you, are you going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. Like, I'm just going to go like just hide for the rest of my life, but I'll be totally fine. Um, but yeah, no, being placed into that class is the only reason I studied abroad in China and then studied abroad in China. Um, it's why I studied abroad again and again. Um, and why I eventually like want to like work and live abroad too. So gateway scholars just absolutely changed my life. It, yeah. If I ever get did. super, super rich, they're going to get a chunk, a chunk of my money. <laughs> <laughs> it really did change my life too. It's crazy because I didn't even know what it was. I was just, I got an email and it said, you want to join Gateway Scholars? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I remember almost not joining. I was like, no, <laughs> why do I want to join this? But I'm so glad I clicked yes. Um, because what was it about Dr. Moore? What did he do to change your life? What was it that he said? What was it? How did he change your life? Uh, he lives, I feel like he lives very uh unapologetically he's very um he says a lot of he says things really like boldly and mm-hmm. he once again it's that like he's talking in front of so many people about something like my my school and in my in my family until i went to college like we never talked about race we never ever did and so being in like the exact opposite kind of environment like from not talking about it all to having a class in a discussion class all about it mm-hmm. was something that um that was just so so new to me um and then also he's just fucking funny too like he's he just like, was so funny um i like bring my friends to the class who like weren't lucky enough to be placed into it yeah um wow you would bring more yeah. people what you would bring more people that's amazing Oh yeah, no, I have. Um, and I would sit in on the class sometimes, like if I wasn't in it that semester, mm-hmm. I would just like go if I didn't have a class at, at that point, um, interfering yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no. And his wife, his wife, Thais too. I mean, I like, I don't, I don't, I think there would be. Surprised. What did Thais, what did, how did Thais, uh, what did she do for you? Cause she, I, I only met her on our program and, and she was amazing. She was incredible. But I, I just really, I've, I've never, I should probably tell her this. She's going to be like, wait, who are you in my Facebook DMs right now? But she, um, she said something that just really, really resonated with me. She said, um, she was talking to us about, or maybe this was one of her talks that I went to, but somewhere along the line, she was talking about how afraid she was, um, or maybe not afraid, but she was just being really vulnerable with a, a large crowd of people that she was talking with. And it was, it really, um, that conversation really resonated with me. She said, uh, something good will happen to me. Something good will happen through me. And like how she kind of like thinks about wow. that whenever she's going about her day. Um, also just a very funny person, a very inclusive person. I remember on our study abroad, there were some people who like didn't quite mesh very well with like the majority of the group. Mm-hmm. And she would go to breakfast with them and like plan coffee dates, like back in Austin with them afterward too. Wow. Just a really beautiful person. She is. I, I had, I remember some interactions I had with her, which were all amazing. Um, But I listened to a podcast she was on um, and it was incredible. Just the way she talks about her story. 
it's like through her speaking, you can feel how amazing she is. It's, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's odd and inspiring at the same time. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So you chose China. Was it because you were following Dr. Moore because you wanted to go to China? Oh, both, both. It was, I'd never, I'd never traveled outside of the U.S. before. Mm -hmm. And I had done very minimal traveling in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like super obsessed with this uh, movie that I saw that had the Great Wall on it whenever I was like really, really little. It was like my favorite movie. And um, it was just somewhere that I never, ever saw myself going to. Um, And I think that the how far away it was was really speaking to me like mm-hmm. I haven't done anything I've never traveled at all like let's just go like across the world for the very first time that we travel <laughs> instead of like I don't know like London or something like go yeah. big go home um and my dad was actually super super sick whenever I um whenever I got accepted and like around the time, I don't know if he, he was sick around the time I applied. I think I just didn't tell him cause I knew he would hate it, but um, he was super sick around the time that I got accepted. And so um, whenever it was like a while before I ended up telling him that I was going and like wow. I was paying for it. So it wasn't like, I was just like, he, I didn't need him to do anything. He didn't need to really approve of it. Um, I yeah. of course hoped that he would, but um, that was rough cause he was not super happy that like, I didn't tell him I'd been accepted, but he, um, he is so much fun, but he's not a traveler at all. And Mm. of course he like loves me very much, which I'm so grateful for and wants me to be safe. And he did not think that me going to China was uh, a very safe call. And he was super, super not about it. So how did you navigate that? Because there's a lot of people whose parents are also non-supportive. I was lucky that my mom supported me, but my dad was kind of like, like the first time I went in South Africa, he's like, why Africa? Why do what do you want to go to Africa for? Cause you know, there's all these images that come to mind cause we're like brainwashed about Africa. How did you navigate your dad not being supportive? Um, it was really hard cause I am a major people pleaser like, mm. to a point of fault. And so, you know, people who are people pleasers like in their like adult life are very often times like people pleasers or like parent pleasers whenever they're little. And that was totally me too. Um, I remember my, <laughs> my dad, he, um, it sounds awful, but it's true. He was like, is that the study abroad that people applied to who like didn't get accepted into other ones? Like he was like, why on oh my God. would you want to go to China? I'm like, actually dad, this is like looking at like the most competitive study abroad program at UT. He was like, did you not get accepted into like London or something? Like, why are you going to China? Wow. Um, but he just, he just, he just didn't know. And, uh, he's certainly, uh, I think changed his mind about it now. Um, yeah. but, but wow. Yeah. It was really tumultuous. Um, it was kind of hard cause I just felt like a lot of people didn't really, uh, think it was a good idea and they had really kind of bad advice cause they'd never done it themselves either. Mm-hmm. And it kind of scared them. And so anything, you know, a lot of times if it's unfamiliar to a person, they're just going to be like totally against it. Cause it's really scary, which I mean, makes sense, but, um, I think it's important to not direct ourselves in a way that like obeys that. Yeah. So. What would you tell like people who are like considering studying abroad or, and not everyone around them is like, no, you shouldn't go to that place. Especially if it's like weird, uh, not a typical country kind of like China, which is kind of like not a lot of people go to. Um, what would you tell um, like uh, kids who are, have nobody supporting them? 
Cause it's not until you go that you realize how incredible it is. Yeah. You know, I, I would say like, who do you want to make these major life decisions about your life? Like, is it going to be, is it going to be mm. you and I, um, or is it going to be the fear that the other people are, are stirring up? Um, I think that a lot of times, you know, it is out of a place of love and like care for someone to like, perhaps not someone, not want someone to travel to like a faraway country, especially if they've never traveled themselves. Um, but overall, I don't think it's, it's purpose driven to be, to be guided by fear, especially the fear of other people that is being placed onto you. So I don't know. I mean, especially if you're going with like a study abroad program, like if you have a good head on your shoulders, you're like with a professor, like you're going to be safe, tell your family that you're going to be yeah. safe. Um, and just live, live your own life. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think that that's agreed. Just yeah. go no regrets. It'll, it'll change your life and it'll change the people around you's life. It's going to be awesome. Life. It's going to be incredible. And so in China, what were the biggest challenges that you faced in China? Cause I know the biggest challenges that I faced <laughs> or when you Fair arrived, enough. you get to China and like, what's your experience like, like what's, what, what's challenging you or what do you, what do you remember most? Oh my God. Um, what was so challenging? You know, I, I'm, I think I really like romanticized that trip in a way. So like right now I do the same thing with Cuba, but like if I was going through a struggle, then I feel like I didn't forget about it now, but I just like, um, I'm so like dreamy about that trip. So I'm like, Oh, nothing went wrong. Like everything was perfect. <laughs> what about the restrooms? For me, that was a challenge. Oh God, The, the restrooms. Room. I was oh like, my God. Oh no. <laughs> oh, okay. I know my answer. I know my answer Caesar. So um, the very first day we arrived at those dorms, oh, yeah. I found the bathroom that was on my floor. I think I was on the second. No, I, whatever. I was on some floor uh-huh. and there was only a bathroom like on the other wing of the floor, like the, oh. the wing that none of the study abroad kids were living on. Yeah. And don't, don't ask me why these bathrooms are so much worse than like the other wings. I think that's weird, but um, I like your floor's bathroom, bathroom was worse than the other ones. My floor's bathroom was against every health code ever. <laughs> the, <laughs> the drain wasn't working in any of the showers. Yeah. Um, and there was like four inches of like not clear stagnant water. In oh all no. <laughs> and like the lights didn't work very well. So it was dark in there yeah. too. And basically like every awful stereotype of, um, of countries that perhaps like don't have like the highest cleanliness i don't know uh-huh. because china is like a very i don't want to say like china's like a dirty place because oh my god it's not but like it's not it's, it's like just the kind of word, stereotype yeah. mm-hmm. i saw it my very first day there i was like oh my god it's true like this is i can't believe i don't want to use this for like a month i can't so where I, I showered i showered in the sink um which was wow not very easy but i just didn't know that there were other bathrooms that were clean so yeah that was that was really do, how long did you do that for what? How long did you do that for? Until I realized that there were other bathrooms in the place. Um, I think Valerie or Kavya were like, Abby, why are you using that bathroom? <laughs> um, but yeah, do you remember that one bathroom on that street? It was like the green I kn- bathroom? Yes, I did go. I go. I went once 
And it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, but I was expecting worse, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> pretty terrible. But really, I, I, um, I didn't mind the whole bathroom situation all that much. Because everything besides, else. Besides those two. Yeah. But everything else was so amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me what you romanticize that trip. What do you remember most? What do you remember? Like, oh, the, the, <laughs> um, what do I remember most? I remember just thinking, you know, like that bizarre feeling whenever you're somewhere and you're like, what is going on around me? Like, how did I get here? I like, yes. how am I going to tell people about this later? I felt like every second it was like that. Um mm-hmm. Um, the food, the food, I had no idea how to describe. Uh, I remember I went to a restaurant and like neither me or the other person could like read Mandarin or speak Mandarin. And we just kind of like restaurant hopped until we found like a restaurant that like we could kind of get our point across. (laughs) That had images. Yeah. Of the food. (laughs) Um, but Oh my God. The great wall, maybe the great wall. Oh my God. That night when we, or those couple of nights that we spent on the, at that village, I still remember that. I was just looking up at the great wall. What do you remember? Sunrise hike. Yeah. Oh my God. It is incredible. Do you have any food that you still crave from China? Yes. Yes. Okay. So there were these little, I wish it was like a really small hole in the wall place, like not all that far away from um, the university that we were at. Mm-hmm. But um, they were, uh, what were they? They were like not dumplings. They had like a thicker coat than dumplings too. Um, dim sum. Dim sum, oh. like with sprinkled sugar on the top. Did you yeah. I don't think I ever had those, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> I missed yeah. out. There was so much. Oh, and then that mm-hmm. smoothie place, the fruits. What was it? Oh, I don't remember. I had it once. But I remember people always going. It was like right next to the university, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had it almost every day. That was... I like the little, you know, the little dumpling place with the little, the couple. It was like in a little house right next to the university. Did you ever go? It was super yeah, I small. I got like the sugar coated thing. Oh, did you? Yeah. It was oh, like man. really tiny. There were lots of flies. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like... That whole trip. I mean, I know we were talking about how terrible the restrooms is. But just to paint a picture for people who are not, who weren't there. It's like, that was just one aspect of it that was kind of like in itself kind of interesting. Cause it's like, you know, that this is only going to last for a month, but everything else that's going on around you. I mean, everything is different. The food at the grocery stores, everyday life is like brand new. And you, you do get this feeling that you talk about, right. Where you feel like you're in a video game or a movie. You're like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> And, um, oh man, one of the things that I remember most is I want to thank you for believing in me when I had found the, that guy ghost who was, uh, our, the guy who got us into clubs and then everybody believed me everybody was hyped at first, right? Like, yes, we're all going to go 60 students. I I told everyone, I found a guy, he's going to get us in for free. And then we had that guy come talk to us who was like, be careful with the clubs, you might die. <laughs> I don't know what he said, but everyone got scared and everyone was out. But you were one of the founding seven. I remember it was me and like seven other people. I just love, <laughs> I just love um, the fact that his name was Ghost. I think it was just another one of like, okay, this is too bizarre to not like check it out a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah. And like, I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps I'm a super, super naive person, but it's gotten me, it's gotten me this far. I, I just like that kind of thing. I don't know. I totally <laughs> believed in you though. And I was like, if we go down, we all go down together. Yeah. There was going to be seven of us. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I was a little <laughs> worried once we got to the club and they were like, everything's free. <laughs> I kept going up the ghost and I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> don't lie to me right now. Are you scamming me? Cause I got seven people like, like believe me that this is all like, good to go and no it was all it was all good he that was a it. big step you took because that was toward the beginning of the trip when not like we didn't know each other very well we did not so that was a brave step you took i had i admired the bravery and the boldness in that it was leadership decision it was i think it was a part of the experience that i had already gone to south africa and i kind of knew what it was going to be like and i knew we were all going to become best friends and if anybody listens to this and has the opportunity to go on a faculty-led program where you're going to be with students from your university, I think that's the best option because you become best friends. Just the perfect, like, just like the perfect landscape to make incredible, incredible friendships. Yeah. Um, Because it's like you're going through, you know, whenever you go through like a traumatic experience with someone, like you're usually Mm -hmm. a lot closer at the end. It's like that, but it's like a really, it's like not traumatic. It's just like good, good, uh, like a good big thing rather than Yeah thing i don't know it was just yeah. the best place to meet people if you have a friend who's going to go to china um and they say abby what should i do or what should i what advice do you give them because you you've been to china so what do you tell them what's like the from your experience what are you going to tell them to do or to avoid or or you, yeah i, I would know. say there's this man named ghost <laughs> you gotta find, find him <laughs> you gotta find a guy named ghost he's an italian <laughs> Oh, I would probably suggest, I I loved where we lived. I thought that living with so many students that were from other countries, Mm -hmm. all being international students in Beijing, China was awesome. I remember there was a fight breaking out my very last day whenever I was heading to the airport between a man from, I might get the countries wrong, but Uh I think it was a man from Russia and a man from Spain. Really? And they were having like like a country war in the hallway whenever I was like going to the airport. And I was like... (laughs) excuse me like (laughs) and then I remember one time um one of my friends like wasn't waking up and we were supposed to like go somewhere and so I was like knocking on his door a lot and it was like 2 3 p.m like Mm -hmm. in the afternoon like maybe you're taking a nap but you aren't like fast asleep well apparently like the time zone of one of the other guys across the hall it was like time to be fast asleep and so he like opened up his door and he started like yelling at me he was like i'm asleep like in my country it's like it's like 6 a.m like you can't just go beating down on walls i'm like okay well in this country it's like 3 p.m i'm like i'm sorry um but i would say that that was a huge thing we met this one yeah. guy who um is originally from japan and he ended up coming to austin no way. Um, and like we took him to like barbecue places in austin and stuff so yeah That's definitely awesome. like the more international the better and then the great wall for sure mm, yeah definitely live with other people um i didn't know that you went to cuba i want to talk about cuba because i ended up going to cuba two years after you went and yeah. how was your experience like what was that like compared to china how what was the what did you learn differently or how would you just compare it that was such a different it, it was so different i was so naive going into it because i was like oh, everything about China is so perfect. Everything about Cuba is going to be so perfect too. Mm-hmm. And um, 
while it was perfect in its own way, it was, I have never experienced so much culture shock in my entire life. Like, I don't know what it was, but whenever I first arrived, I was like, I was just so, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I just had like a super unsettled feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that now as someone who like, if I could, I would move to Cuba. Like I loved it so much. But whenever I first got there, I just felt really homesick instantly, which is not something that I would like was used to feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think what part of it was, is like my Spanish was super, super bad. And a lot of the people that I was with were fluent in Spanish. And so I felt kind of, um, I hate feeling like dependent on people and I felt kind of dependent. Um, so I guess that was part of it. Um, but, but wow, I, I loved Cuba. If I could, if I could study abroad there for like a year or two, or just like move, move there, I, mm-hmm. I totally would for a while. Um, what, that was, what, a was it, place. what was it about the country that made you fall in love with it? I'm a big islands. I love islands. I love, um, I just love things that are like natural and Cuba is, it is so, um, it's just so rich with, you know, like it rains a lot. Like there's a lot of um, green everywhere. Um, Everyone is so beautiful. That was another thing. It's just, I would look at someone and I'll be like, okay, today I'm in love with you. Today I'm in love with you. Just like every day it was like, wow, I just can't believe like how beautiful these people are. And like my host mom, she only spoke Spanish. My Spanish, like I said, was awful. But like, we just got along so well somehow. And like, we both were crying whenever like we were all leaving. Um, I don't know. Everyone's also late to everything, which I also am. Like island time is the perfect time for me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it was. The design, everything, the people were so funny and so full of life and outgoing. And the creativity, just, right? When you're just in downtown Havana, it's like, wow, I'm, I went back in time. Like this is incredible. And, and you're just walking through the, through the, through the small streets especially if you go at night with people it's just mm. so beautiful um mm-hmm. man. yeah and my my favorite city i don't know if my favorite city in the world is this i think my favorite city in the world is probably havana really my favorite city in the u.s is new orleans and new orleans and havana are sister cities and um have you been to New Orleans before? I haven't. What is a what does it mean? They're sister city. Oh, you're wearing the hat. Uh, yeah, but um, they're sister cities. I don't really, honestly, I don't really know what that means. But I just kind of see it like they're both, um, they're both uh, like near the water. Um, mm. They both have just like been through it too, um, like weather wise just everything wise. They've just like really been through it and like keep standing up afterward, which is something that. I don't know. Something that makes them both really beautiful too. But yeah, those are two cities. Those are like my two favorite cities ever. The music, the music too. Ah, the music and the the dancing and, and I know you didn't speak Spanish, but I'm sure you made like Cuban friends, right? Because of other people. And they're just so welcoming and so kind. Charismatic. I talked to one of them. We like FaceTimed yesterday, actually. Really? Um, Yeah. So and like my Cuban like host mom, like we still talk. Um, I really, I really plan on going back to Cuba, whether it's legally or not. But um, <laughs> I love to go back. I need to go back. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. You you mentioned getting a little homesick. How did you combat that? How did you get over that? 
We had an absolute angel as a TA with us. Mm-hmm. Um, her name was Anna. And um, she, I think she, she, she was in school for social work. I think she was in grad school for social work, but she's had an incredibly calming presence. And I just talked to her a lot. Um, additionally, my roommate, Nina was like a really good, we didn't know each other before the trip very well, but became, we became really good friends during the trip. Um, and then honestly, whether this is a good thing or not rum, uh, we had lots of rum. We went out all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the rum. If I was homesick, I certainly could get distracted. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, we were, there's this one point where like, we couldn't find any like water for sale <laughs> anywhere. We couldn't find any anywhere. And like, it was so hard to like do a lot of things. Like what, like if, like if we were hungry, like there was like this house that sold bread sometimes. Um, yeah. And like, we would just like go and like buy like a monstrous bag of rolls and just eat like four rolls for dinner and pass out. Uh, but that was a trip. That whole, that whole, that whole month was wild. Yeah. Sometimes you can't, I mean, you're there all, there's always some food, but I mean, the, one of the most incredible things or that, that shocked me was how like you would go to a grocery store and shelves were like kind of empty. It was weird. They were like always almost empty, but there mm-hmm. was always a, a rum. <laughs> there was no shortage of rum. You can always yeah. go there. Yeah, that's cheap. something that I like that I like to share with people whenever they talk about Cuba. It's it's such a humanitarian, uh, like such a human rights issue too. Like I talk yeah. about how beautiful it is, but um, it, it there's there's a lot going on, a lot going on there, which like isn't so great. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's the reason to like ignore like all the beauty that is there. I just think it's like important to to know both, you know. Um, but I remember being in the, in the grocery store and I didn't see like a lot of food that I recognized at all. Like no, like American brands, except for Pringles, really? Pringles. I yeah, saw Pringles, like such a diplomatic figure, but, um, but yeah, they were, they'd be so empty and it was just like, it's really sad. Um, I hope it is. And it kind of pushes you to like, want to f- do something here in the United States that can possibly impact the people around the world, like in Cuba, because I think, you know, one of the things that I was talking to somebody, um, a citizen there, and they were telling me like, imagine, you see how we don't have a lot of stuff here in Havana, the capital, like imagine all the cities that aren't the capital because everything comes here and um, they have like shortages of chicken of like, you know, basic things that you would be able to find any day here. Sometimes you can't find over there, which impacted the way I view like my life. How did coming, going to China and Cuba change your perspective of where you live, the United States? What did, what did it make so you think? Much. It changed, it changed so much. Um, I was talking earlier about how I really value um, like inclusivity and like making people like feel included. Um, yeah. And I just, <clears throat> I felt that so heavily whenever I was in these places, like I felt so welcomed and uh the bits of the language that I didn't know was so well received. And a lot of people knew a lot more English than I did, like the language, like the main language in the country that I was at. Mm-hmm. And um, it just really, it made me want to, to do like work on the ground to possibly make people coming to the U S like feel more welcome too. And that's, there's such a range of that. Right. So whether it's um, I did a, um, a spring break, alternative breaks program through UT, which I would really recommend for anybody like. What is that? 
working at UT. So alternative breaks, it's uh, you work and like learn about the cause that you're going to go work for for a week during spring break, like for a semester. So I went to the Valley and we learned a lot before we ever left for the Valley about, mm-hmm. you know, the Valley and the border and like the human rights issues that are going on there and what it actually looks like to like be a migrant to the United States. And we heard people's stories of like what it was like for them whenever they were crossing over or like people who were married to someone who was like coming in from like, um, Guatemala and we would like worked at some of the the shelters there um like we would work with the people who were getting dropped off from ice like at some of the Catholic charities that were in um, San Juan mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know just like having like having a a kind like graceful as graceful as it can possibly be um entrance into a new place that I don't know I just I, I just really felt a lot more what it must be like to be somewhere that like you've never been before, but for completely different reasons. Like I was traveling for enjoyment and they are like traveling for much different reasons. So I would say that that became like a really a big uh, value of mine in my life, like immigration as a whole. Mm. And then um, also on a completely different note, like trying to see where I live as an adventure too. So like whenever we're like in China or Cuba, everything is so new and, um, everything is like so fascinating and so fresh and new to our eyes, but like at home, it's not really that much. So I'm trying to like see like my home and where I live as if I was like a traveler who had never been there before, or um, as if I was like one of my Cuban friends who has never like left um, like their small city in Cuba. Um, Just trying to, trying to see like more beauty and things and just try to be more of an inclusive person in general. That's amazing. Cause I, yeah, I'd, um, I try to take a similar view because once you see your hometown as an adventure, you start to realize, you start to see things that you ignored before because you Mm -hmm. already, once you make the assumption that you know a place, it's like um, you get blinded by like the subtle beauties because there's uh, places always changing. Um, That's amazing though. Do you think you're going to, so you no longer want to be a teacher or do you? I was, I was actually thinking about that today. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't, I think I want to be like a lot of things. Maybe mm-hmm. teaching like one day would be one of them. I think it'd be really cool to, um, to teach English abroad. So maybe not like the kind of teacher that I had whenever I was younger, but, you know, have similar characteristics and um, just like fun in the classroom with, I love young people. I know like I'm still really young, but um I like, yeah. I don't know. I just like, like the energy. I think that that it'd be really cool to have my career be working with young people, whether it's like teaching or, um, I don't, I don't know, but I think I could totally see myself as a teacher, but I don't know what kind, I really mm-hmm. don't know. That much. <laughs> I feel you. You don't have to know, but that's, that's cool oh. that you still, I've been thinking about teaching English, um, anywhere also, cause it's such a great way to make money while you travel. How was Buenos Aires? What was that another study abroad? How long did you go? Yeah, so that was spring of 2020, baby. So that was a very interesting study abroad. Um, I got there in February and then COVID hit in March. Oh. So uh, it was, I don't want like my whole like month being there to be like overridden by like the heavy, heavy disappointment that was like having to come back home. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes it is kind of hard to like, not just be like overwhelmed and like disappointment, but that whole, that whole month was 
was really like challenging in the way that I like it. You know, um, the language was, the accent was like so different than like the kind yeah. of yeah. <laughs> and then also like, I was like really diving in and like taking my Spanish learning like super, super seriously. So that was really fun. Um, so I love Buenos Aires. I love to dance and they love to dance. I love the music. Um, what kind of dancing do they do? They do a lot of, um, like tango. Okay. And so I like some of their tango shows. And I went to a couple of tango lessons before I left for Argentina. Um, and I just made some really good connections there. Like I, fully plan on going back hopefully like the end of this year um wow it was it was beautiful once again everyone there was also gorgeous that's just like a common theme i guess but (laughs) (laughs) i i I really want to go this is like actually a place that i've been thinking about because i heard they um they do have tango but i was wondering if you had seen other types of dancing because uh i love dancing and oh they have everything there i mean you could literally Buenos Aires is like one of the biggest cities. It's like in the top 20 of like the biggest cities in the world. I think it's number 14, but don't quote me on that. Wow. Um, yeah, if you're looking for something, Buenos Aires has it. It's it's massive. So damn, I'm I sure do you have to go. You're looking for. Wow. Um, so you're talking about how you're still going to travel a lot. If you could go somewhere right now, if somebody gave you a plane plane ticket, where would it be? To what country? Mm. I think I would go, I don't know. I wanted, I'd want it to be somewhere. If someone was just going to give me a plane ticket. I'd yeah. To any country. Plane ticket ever. If they were going to give it to me. Uh, maybe <laughs> I would go. Oh, to... but you have to live there for a month or more. I should oh, have that. perfect. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's the best way to go anyways. Um, I'd be tempted to say Cuba, but I need to go somewhere I have never been before. So maybe I would go to like, um, maybe Eastern Europe, like Mm. maybe Turkey. I really want to go to, I really want to go to South Korea too, but I've never been, I've never been to Europe in general. So I think it'd be really dope to go to like Hungary or Turkey. Um, that's maybe that's what I would say just because I've never been anywhere remotely like that i don't think so. yeah that's kind of like my criteria right now as well somewhere where i haven't been and where the mm-hmm. culture is going to be super different because yes. you learn so much um what experience do you think uh most 18 year olds should have like people graduating from high school what experience would you advise them to go have i would advise them to go somewhere I'd say go big or go home and put yourself in a place with the correct, like with the, with the right support systems that is almost like as far different as you can get. Like, um, so like Smithville, Texas to Beijing, mm-hmm. China, um, yeah. just like, and not something, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't even have to be like travel oriented. Like it can just be like going somewhere like, to a different city that you haven't spent much time in and just like surrounding yourself with like a different group of people who have had like really different experiences, like growing up and different ages and different everything, um, education levels, you name it. I would, yeah, I would just say go crazy, go stupid. Um, be in a different place for sure. Kind of dramatically different, but with the right support system. I like that. I like that. And for yourself, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Like you knowing that how you were, what would you tell yourself? 
Um, I would tell myself, I don't know. I like I, I would I really wouldn't do anything differently. So I guess I would just emphasize emphasize the like the beauty and doing things that are different and uh, just keep walking into places where you don't know anybody. Um, maybe I would say I would say probably say get a job. That's probably what I would say. Get a job, save some money. Um, yeah, I think that would have been good for me. But um, other than that. Other than get a job, just keep walking into places where you don't know anybody and just seeing what happens. Awesome. Awesome. Abby, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me. I, I love hearing about your experiences. It's been about an hour that we started. So I want to be mindful of your time. Um, but before we do go, um, are there any parting thoughts that you want to give the audience? Anything uh, else that you wanted to say? Um, I would just say... Mm. Oh, I have a book recommendation. You have a book recommendation? I have a book recommendation. Oh, uh, I have yes. a couple. Let's see. I'm going to recommend my favorite book that I've ever read in my life. I have it right yes. now. I'll recommend Enrique's Journey. Enrique's uh, Journey. It's a story. It's by um, Sonia Nazario, and she is a reporter in Los Angeles. And she was talking to um, the woman who was cleaning her house for her about her family back in... I think she was from, was she from Honduras? Yeah, Honduras. She's from Honduras. And um, basically her journey reuniting with her family and um, the author, who lives a very comfortable life in Los Angeles as a reporter, decides to retrace um, a young man's journey traveling to the United States from Honduras. So she like rides on top of the trains, like she sleeps um, in the woods. She like totally like risks her life, risks everything to like, get the story of what that migrant experience is like. And it is so truthful and um, it is just like the epitome of wonderful book writing and journalism. And it's my favorite book I've ever read probably. So was, was that a book? That, yeah. Was that a book from uh, Dr. Moore's class? Yes. Wait, I think so. I'm like yeah. 95% sure. I've read it yeah. a couple times since then. I don't, I'm not sure that I read all of it whenever it was assigned to us, but um, I've definitely read it like now a um, couple of times and it is the most incredible book. So that's my parting, that's my parting thought. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Abby. If people want to find you or if they have questions, um, where can they reach you? Um, is Instagram good? Yeah. Instagram is super cool. My address or my username sounds like a zip code, but it's 5123ABB, baby, or not the just the ABB. <laughs> 5123 ABB, right? It's at uh, 5123 ABB. Cool, cool. Abby, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Hey there. If you enjoyed this episode, well, green light. New episodes of The Dose of Caesar come out every week. So make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you feel that more people should listen to this podcast and share this episode with your tribe. If you want to connect with me or if you just want some extra doses of Cesar, of Caesar, of Cesarin Bingui, then you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called The Caesar Encyclopedia, where I share what I learn every week. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the dose of Caesar. We'll see you next time.